it is kind of cool to come to Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we we have we have all kinds of fun things in the in the year of the church because of what God has done in various lives, and this is a a continuation of our question that we've we've had several sermons in this series. Who is this Jesus? Today we're going to claim that he is the resurrection and the life. We'll, uh, we'll be reading from Scripture. And what I want to get across to you is Jesus conquers death. Death, you know death? We, we don't know it as closely. <laughs> and we want, we want to kind of keep it that way sometimes. We talk about wanting to go to heaven, but we don't want to go now. And, uh, but... Death has been conquered, and he brings eternal life to us, grants eternal life to us. And so, happy Easter. We're glad you're here. Now, if we ask what's the most important day in the uh, Christian world, a lot of people would say Christmas because of the way our culture responds and so forth. Um, We make a big deal out of Christmas in our churches, and it is so much fun. It is so wonderful. And uh, if, you have, if you have this emotional struggle, I can't, oh, Christmas is just awful because it's so commercialized. You need to get over that and enjoy the advent of the Savior. Don't let the world control you by making you resist. Did you see what happened just happened to you? Okay, don't do that. I realized as a very young pastor, you know, I'm so holy and I'm resisting this commercialization. And, and I thought, and I've got a bad attitude all the way through the Christmas season. And I'm going to stop that. So I recommend that to you. And if I catch you doing it, I'll probably counsel you to stop that. Um, it, it's a big deal that Jesus came. And uh, if, if I, however, can challenge our stance on that, we don't take anything away from Christmas. It's impossible to undo the magnitude of that miracle. But the fact is, That after Jesus suffered, took our sins into himself, died, the resurrection from the dead is is the linchpin. It is that to which everything is tied, that to which everything is anchored in our lives. Most uh, important single event in our world is that Jesus rose from the dead. And if it's not already the most important event in your life... I hope before you leave this room that it can be because the Lord Jesus is here to meet you personally. He loves you. He proves that he loves you by giving himself for you. The resurrection was the turning point in history. It was the climax. And so we're going to turn to the first gospel, uh, which is the first book in the New Testament, the last chapter, Matthew chapter 28 and talk about the revelation of Jesus as who is this Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Follow along with me. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook 
and passed out or became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now that's one of the earliest accounts of the resurrection of Jesus, this historical event that we're celebrating today. And I want to raise a question that's not often asked, at least I haven't heard it very often, about this fact and that scripture that I just read to you. What difference does it make? If you wanted to sound really kind of cynical, you could say, so what? And that's what I'm asking. What difference does it make that he rose from the dead? How's this supposed to affect me? What did it really accomplish? What difference does it make that Jesus uh, actually rose from the dead? And to answer this correctly, I want to ask you this. Did you know that the resurrection of Jesus is not the only recorded uh, resurrection in the New Testament? Uh, There actually were three before he rose from the dead, Each of these resurrections were performed by Jesus. Each of them foreshadowed his own resurrection. Each points to his resurrection. So what difference does it make is, first of all, don't be afraid. One day a man named Jairus came up to Jesus. He was the top official in a local synagogue in that area, and he he found Jesus, threw himself at his feet, begged him to come to his house and heal his 12-year-old daughter. So Jesus agreed. They started out, and before they got to the man's house, someone from the house came and said to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus overheard this message and told Jairus, don't be afraid. Can you believe that? The man's daughter has just died, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. I think that sounds crazy. I don't know what you think about that, but it's like, uh, Jesus, you need to get in touch with reality here. My daughter just died. But Jesus didn't stop with that don't be afraid thing. They continued to Jairus' house. He went into the girl's room. The Bible says he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Don't be afraid. Takes on a different meaning when Jesus says it. He says it not only to Jairus, he says it to you too. Death has always been it. It's the big deal. 
hundred years ago, I used to watch Sanford and Son, which was a delightful sitcom. Some of the funniest lines in the world and some of the finest acting that I've ever seen in a comedy. And, uh, and uh, old Fred was always going to have the big one. And it was like, this is it. Now, it, it, was, it was a manipulative technique for which we loved him. But before, before that, death was it. This was the big one, and you didn't recover from it. That shut everything down. However, Jesus comes along and says, don't be afraid. Why? Because, as the scripture says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Another way to say that is, with his resurrection, Jesus buried death. We do not yet see it. It's not been made manifest. Death still holds sway temporarily. We don't know how long, but it's not a long time. It's a short time. Jesus buried death. English poet and preacher John Doan wrote, Death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. Death shall be no more death. Thou shalt die. (laughs) Or said another way, death is dead. We don't see it yet because our people still die. But you you can believe Jesus because he rose from the dead and he said, don't be afraid. We hear the same words in the account of the the women at Jesus' tomb. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. And anytime an angel appears throughout Scripture, it's like they have to say, don't be afraid. Uh, but this, this was a far greater assignment of meaning. Don't be afraid. In the first place, I'm an angel from God who loves you and gave his son for you, so don't be afraid. But secondly, don't be afraid. You never have to fear like you used to fear because Jesus is alive. Don't fear death, it's a conquered foe. In our Christian walk, those of you who have walked with the Lord a long time know that we have this business that comes to us, and just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you never have troubles anymore. I think some people think that you might have more when you become a Christian, but I don't think so. Life just hammers you, and it is set up so that we are supposed to be honoring God and taking care of each other and taking care of the earth, but instead we sin, which just brings forth this massive amount of selfishness, and it can really make life hard. But don't be afraid wherever you are in your life, whatever medical report you have gotten, whatever your kid that you so want to love and serve God and no matter what he or she is doing, whatever is going on in your world. I just got word this morning that that one of our uh, family lost the job this week, and this is the main job in the family, not the subsidiary or, or the second job. This was the one, and it's like Jesus is saying, Don't be afraid. Well, you have to get with the Lord and you have to get kind of quiet and let his peace take over. But it is entirely possible to not be afraid. 
when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, Jesus demonstrated his ability and his right to say, don't be afraid. The second answer, what difference does it make, is this. Don't cry. On another occasion, the Gospel of Luke records, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now listen to this. Did you hear it? Widow, lost everything, only son, don't cry. That seems so strange to me. I wonder if he really expected her to say, oh, okay. You know, it's like, this is counterintuitive. This does not fit. This is not reality. Don't cry. Except, Jesus is saying, so pay attention. Now, remember, of course she cried. There's nothing wrong with that. But she was crying hopelessly. And he did not want that kind of thing going on because he knew, quote, the rest of the story, unquote. Jesus knew what she did not. Jesus knew what she would learn. Jesus knew that she was about to see with her own eyes that Jesus' voice breaks the bonds of death every time. Jesus' voice breaks the bonds of death every time. So, don't cry. It's a command that was echoed outside the garden tomb, as John's gospel says. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Again, why wouldn't she cry? Like the poor widow at Nain, why wouldn't she cry until Jesus came and chased away the tears? That doesn't mean we shouldn't cry when a friend or loved one, the, the tent they're in just folds up and implodes on them. But it does mean for all who have experienced new life in Christ Jesus, who, for all who have opened their heart and said, God, do it in me. Let me read to you from 1 Thessalonians. We do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The grieving of, of death is not only when, when someone dies that we love. Uh, my parents had been married 66 years and mom died. And uh, they, they found out that she had a serious problem and five days later she was dead. 
My parents were very, very close. And I, I wondered how dad would handle that. Some of you have been through something very similar. The years might be a little bit different, but you've lost a spouse. And sometimes it was, it was suddenly, and, and that is so hard. I, I don't know whether the long-suffering kind of death or the, the quick, unexpected one is most difficult. None of it is preferred, okay? We know it's just like death is still that enemy, even though Jesus has buried it. We, we have yet to do the final uh, funeral for death. That's coming. But when something happens in our life, whether it's the death of someone very, very close, whether it's the business of a dream that it, it looks like it is just dead. You, you thought the Lord had spoken to you and given you uh, this burning desire in your heart, and maybe you've called it a call, or maybe, you, you know, whatever you called it, and now it's dead. Wherever you are, walking with Jesus or not walking with Jesus, death comes. But remember that Jesus rose from the dead. And I can say to you that there is hope in him, and it is so beautiful, and it is so complete. Let the Lord put his arms around you and restore to you that which you need so that it makes sense to say, don't cry. It's his resurrection. And when he rose from the dead, he fulfilled and a prophet, uh, the prophet Isaiah's word in chapter 25, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. So, what difference does it make? Well, it makes that you don't have to be afraid and you don't have to cry. And number three, there was one more resurrection that foreshadowed Jesus' victory over the grave. One day, Jesus received a message from his friends Mary and Martha telling him that their brother Lazarus was sick. By the time Jesus got to their town, Lazarus not only died, but had been in the tomb four days. And John 11 records, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection. I know he will rise again in the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. It gives me goosebumps. Man, oh man. Martha had faith in the afterlife. Jesus said, I am the life. New Agers and people of Eastern religion uh, relationships have accused us of, of having an idol of Jesus. And I say, oh, yes, if only you knew how we worship him. 
He is life. Martha believed. Jesus said, believe in me. And so here is the key on this point. Jesus' victory over death makes believing in him more than possible. It should make it irresistible. Why wouldn't we believe in Jesus? So what does it mean to believe in Jesus? I'm going to put it in the simplest terms I know how. Give you a quick ABCs of believing in Jesus Christ. Very briefly, it means A, agree with him. Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. And, and bless our little hearts, we have such a beat-up self-esteem that we cannot tolerate anybody saying that we're not just wonderful. We know we're not wonderful. Everyone who knows us knows we're not wonderful. And so get over that. If you want eternal life in Christ Jesus, it's available. The first thing you need to do is agree with Jesus. There's, no one is good except God alone. And that's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, none of us is good enough to please God or earn eternal life on our own. It's not our merit. Uh, those of us who are, who are uh, OCD, uh, it's kinder perhaps to call us perfectionists. Uh, we, we know that we can do certain things really, really nicely and cleanly and kind of keep those ducks in a row. But sure as the world, something will come along and kick that stuff out of line or something. So we're not good enough to merit this on our own. And if, if you were perfect and had all your ducks in a row and they were so, so well placed that nothing and no one could kick them out of line, you still wouldn't be good enough because our hearts are the problem. We do bad things. But the big problem is that our hearts are bad. And Jesus just says, no one is good. So take his word for it. He died to fix that, so accept that. I think it's so cool. You can believe what he said because he's got more invested in us than we can imagine. And we need to say that we're willing to turn from our sins, our sinful ways, if he'll come in and do it, if he'll work it over. I have a, a practice of using the Lord's Prayer for my daily prayer. And the, you get down to point number five, forgive me as I forgive others. And so I look around for stuff for the Lord to forgive me. And when we get that dealt with, then I say, okay, now, whom do I need to forgive? And uh, when I find somebody... And occasionally somebody will do a number on me. You know, that happens to you. I mean, I, sometimes I'm paranoid and sometimes I'm persecuted, okay? And I try to, try to discern the difference. And um, so I just, you know, that, that part of the prayer says, forgive me as I forgive others. And then after he finished the prayer, he says, for if you forgive men their sins, God will forgive you your sins, and if you don't, he won't. Now, you don't have to be a theologian to understand that. You don't have to know the original language. I've read that in the original language, and that's what it says, but you don't have to read it in the original language. The English translations are painfully accurate. If I don't forgive, I'm not going to be forgiven. Well, I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to hell. 
And that's kind of the way it is in my mind. You know, I fear God. I think there's a God. I think he's going to judge everybody. And the ones that come in through Jesus Christ are going to go into heaven. Everybody else is going to go away. And you don't want to go where they go. So I have this pressure. So I just say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive. And name that name and see that face and cancel that debt. And the next time I see them, I want to be able to grab them and hug them with a full heart. Sometimes, however, what they've done to me is larger than I can just whip out just like that. So I say, in the name of Jesus, I forgive them. And then I say, now, Lord, you know that's not true. But you're strong enough. Your grace is sufficient that you can make it happen. And I give you my heart to make it happen. I do not want to hold that against them. I refuse to give that place in my life. Now come and heal me and fix that. And he does. So far, 100% of the time. I've never said that silly line. Now, Lord, you know that's not true. He knows our thoughts. He knows my heart. So I don't have to try to fake it. I just. But then he comes and makes it right. And the one who rose from the dead can do that. He's strong enough. He's got the power to do that. So, it's wonderful to be able to turn to him and agree with him, and then when he's calling for something we can't do, say, I'll do that if you'll do it through me. That's what the scripture was talking about when it says, Paul was writing, he says, when I am weak, then I am strong, because my weakness is manifested here. When I take that and say, here it is, God, what are you going to do with it? The strength of God is manifested through it. And every time, every time, it is victorious. Every time. That's fun, folks. That is so much fun. So we, we turn to the Lord and, and turn away from our sins, our sinful ways. And number, uh, number two, or the letter B, letter A is agree with him. Letter B is believe in him. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will never die. Yeah, so what's that about? Everybody dies. That means saying to Jesus, Lord, I believe if I if ask you into my life that you will come in and eternal life will be living here. And even if this body dies before death is completely destroyed, if this body dies, I will live with you eternally and never die. So I've done all these wrong things, wiped them off, and give me this eternal life. If we do that, believing in him, I think all we need to say is, would you please do that, God? Please help me here. Watch out. That draws him powerfully to you. It's that simple. Sometimes it's not easy at all, but it is simple. It's not complicated. A child can do it. And that leaves one more step. A, agree, B, believe, C, commit to him. You come to Jesus, you will get eternal life. It will be in you now working because his life will be in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you need to understand that it's not this experience. It is not this thing that we're talking about, but it is a life. It's it's agreeing with him believing in him and been living for him.
we have been taught in this country especially that what you really need to do is pray a prayer and you're eternally great. But the Lord calls us, like I was saying earlier about works that we have to do, He calls us to do stuff. Paul said it this way, I fill up in my body that which was lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Now, if you, if you look at the cross of Christ, the resurrection, that looks complete, and it is complete as it is, except the message is not spread. Jesus left and gave us that part, and we fill up in our lives telling our story. You don't have to be a theologian. It's kind of like the Lord's Prayer business and forgiving others so that my sins can be forgiven. You don't have to be a theologian to do this. Tell your story. What has God done for you? When he touched your life, how were you changed? Tell that. That is so cool. And this is what he calls us to. And if you're not walking with him and you start today, I predict that you'll be so excited that you'll be able to tell that without much internal pressure. You're just, it's just going to bubble out on you because it is wonderful. So we agree with him. We believe in him. We commit our life to him to obey, to worship, to please him until that day in the future when we are ushered out of this life into his presence, whether it's by death or by a catching away that the scripture teaches. So that is the answer, my friends, to the question, what difference does it make, the resurrection? What, what? That's the difference. It will make a difference here, and it will make an eternal difference if you act on it. It defeats death. Don't be afraid. I love that. Don't be afraid. It removes fear. It banishes tears. Don't cry. And it gives meaning to life. Team, if you have any hope of defeating death, fear, sorrow, you have to act on this information that I've shared. And I pray that for God's sake and for your sake, you will do that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Would you bow your heads with me? And let me say this to you. If, you, uh, if you're ready to make a move on this, I want you to repeat in your heart or maybe under your breath this prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to do it in phrases that you can repeat and if, if this is who you are and what you're doing, may we pray. Say this after me in your heart. Jesus, I agree with you. That I can't.